Hi there, everybody. My name is Michelle Ann Olson. I'm your host here at Afraid of the Bark, the podcast that goes bark in the night. I'm coming to you rather later than I usually do. I'm speaking to you late on Thursday evening. It's almost midnight here as I'm recording. As you know, uh, if you've been following on social media, I typically release new episodes on Wednesdays, but this week has been about 50 shades of crazy. So this episode seven is coming at you. I mean, hopefully, assuming everything quiets down in the next half hour, this episode will be coming at you on Friday as opposed to Wednesday. And I do apologize for that. It's not like me to record so soon before releasing an episode. Definitely not like me to miss a deadline. But there's just been a lot going on. Here in Toronto, it's been TIFF Week, the Toronto International Film Festival. And since I first attended the festival in 2009, actually on an internship, I was lucky enough to be interning at the festival at that time. Since then, I just can't resist the festival. I'm a movie lover, and TIFF is everything that's wonderful about the movies. You're watching films from around the world, like blockbusters, documentaries, foreign language films with other movie lovers. And one of my absolute favorite categories of film at TIFF is the Midnight Madness category, which is all like new horror, exploitation films, kung fu, right up my alley. So this week I've been trying to squeeze in screenings as I've been able to on top of work. In addition, I have been cat-sitting this week at a house in Toronto, like a legitimate Victorian house, cat-sitting for two cats, a client of mine. So that's had me out of my apartment and just kind of a little bit frazzled because it's this old, creaky Victorian house and I'm nervous sleeping in it alone, even though it's like perfectly a perfectly safe neighborhood and there's an alarm system and stuff. And then I'm going to watch these horror movies <laughs> and I get home at like 2 a.m. and I can't sleep because I'm spooked from the horror films and I'm spooked because I'm in this house. Anyway, long story short, I'm a bit foolish. I overextended my schedule. I'm not sleeping because I'm so spooked. If you ever get the chance, if it gets wide release, go see a little movie called The Wind. It's by a first-time female director. It is. It was described to me as The Witch Meets Little House on the Prairie. That's pretty much what it is, and it is spooky. So all of that to say, I'm tired, I'm spooked, and I'm coming at you late with this episode seven. I do apologize if, you know, if that was a problem for you. I don't know, like, how devoted my listeners are, if they're, like, listening first thing Wednesday morning, if that's part of your routine, I'm sorry, and I'm hoping it won't happen again. So here I am with episode seven of Are You Afraid of the Bark? And today we're going to, or tonight rather, we're going to be talking about horse ghosts, supernatural and ghost equines. Oh, also one more thing, because I am a foolish person, recording this on my phone with my microphone and pop filter, because I have my laptop at this house, not my desktop, and my microphone doesn't plug into my laptop, apparently, which is great to learn at 11.33 p.m. when you 
set up recording for the episode that's already overdue. So if the quality of this episode differs from how it typically sounds, I do apologize. If it ends up sounding better, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll take this on the road. It'll be mobile from here on out. Anyway, today, tonight, talking about horse, supernatural horses and ghosts. I wanted to start with the concept of the nightmare. So I'm not talking about the word nightmare. I'm talking about the nightmare, as in a female horse, a night horse. So I wanted to just quickly talk about this concept before I get into my other stories. I had the impression through popular culture and even through depictions in art that the nightmare or the night horse was a fictional or mythological character representing the concept of bad dreaming and that this character appeared in the form of a horse. And this might have to do with a really famous painting called The Nightmare, which was by Henry Fuseli. It's a 1781 oil painting. And I had definitely come across this work because having given haunted tours for so many years, so many of our haunted stories can really be boiled down to phenomena having to do with sleep. For example, the idea of sleep paralysis. And I had definitely seen this photo in researching sleep paralysis. So it's the photo of a woman, not a photo, sorry, a portrait of a woman. She's in this just really exaggerated position of sleep with her head hanging off the bed and her arms over her head. And there's this ugly demonic creature sitting on her stomach. But in the background is the figure of the nightmare or the night horse. It's this black mare watching this scene of this woman in the throes of a nightmare with this demon on her chest. And the horse has blank staring eyes. So maybe due to this painting that I had encountered and due to sort of other things that I had heard in popular culture and myth, I thought that the term nightmare, as we use it to refer to bad dreams, referred to this night horse, to this nightmare who apparently, so I thought, was the one who gave us our bad dreams. So in researching this episode, I learned that the interpretation of the word nightmare, associating it with the horse, is not correct. It has to do with etymology and other languages having different meaning for the word mare or mare or like mara. So the nightmare is a demon. This demon is the one who gives us our bad dreams. But in an interesting sort of turn, it is both people and horses who are affected by the demon, the nightmare. So people are affected by the nightmare when they have bad dreams, they fall asleep, and they feel pressure on the body in the area of the chest. And this is the demon sitting on their chest or stomach as depicted in the painting, The Nightmare. So the pressure travels from the lower body to the head, the person can't breathe, he wants to scream, but he perceives that he cannot move or vote, make any sound. He cannot breathe, he cannot vocalize. When he wakes up from this nightmare, he's maybe 
covered in sweat. He maybe during this time sees visions that he he believes himself to be awake and sees visions that appear to be real in his room or in his immediate surroundings. So that is what the demon, the nightmare does to people. And of course, this sounds very much like the phenomenon of sleep paralysis. If you've ever had it happen to you, it is absolutely terrifying. But this demon apparently in folklore would also ride horses. So it would ride us into this terrible state of the nightmare and would ride horses. So when horses are taken by the nightmare, their manes become very tangled. They become restless and they sweat. They froth. They don't sleep at night. They're restless. They're pacing in their stalls. And this state in folklore of the horse was said to be brought on by the nightmare riding on the back of the horse on its way to torment people. So I just thought it was really interesting that what I thought was a literal night horse or a demon horse is just a misinterpretation of the root word mare, but the nightmare, this demon, tormented both people and horses. Anyway, all of this to say that the nightmare is not, at least in like myth and folklore, in some fantasy worlds, the nightmare becomes an actual character, but this is a misinterpretation, at least in the real world, of words, of the roots or origins of words. Just as a side note about the nightmare, so apparently the nightmare is a woman, more often than not, but the woman might be somebody in your life who you know, who is overtaken. She, this woman that you know, has this out-of-body experience. Maybe she's overtaken by a spirit or a witch, and when she's out of her body, she's riding horses or people, and the victim, in this case, is known as the mare woman. So in her life, she might be going about her business at her job and suddenly just become completely catatonic, and that's because she's been possessed by some spirit She's therefore becoming, in your life, the nightmare. She's on your chest or she's on your stomach, but it's someone you know. The witch or the spirit is using that person to access you. So this is maybe a little bit off topic from horses, but I just thought that this whole myth was was really interesting to me. So let's get back to more specific supernatural horses. And let's start with Kelpies. Kelpies were something that I considered talking about in my episode about supernatural sea creatures because they are associated with water. So the Kelpie is a Scottish creature who is associated with the realm of fairy. And as we know in Celtic culture, fairies are not, fairies and elves, they're not happy creatures. At best, impish and at their worst, can be downright dangerous to humans. So the Kelpie is associated with the realm of fairy, and it's known as a water horse. So the Kelpie appears as a beautiful horse near or in running water, associated with rivers and locks. It can be identified by two traits. Its mane always seems to be long, flowing, and dripping wet. And if you look closely, and this really brings a chill down my spine, if you look closely, its hooves 
are facing the wrong way. So that is how you identify a Kelpie. Now, when a Kelpie appears before a person, it appears to invite them to approach it, to touch it, and maybe even to attempt to ride it. It appears very inviting and just an absolutely beautiful horse that most humans can't resist approaching. But the magic of the Kelpie is that once a human touches it, the human's flesh adheres to its own. And at that point, once you touch the horse and are unable to pull your hand away, is when the Kelpie will start to return to its underwater lair in that river or lock and take you with it. Inevitably, you drown and the Kelpie will consume your innards. A well-known version of the Kelpie story has a child reaching out to touch the Kelpie on its muzzle or nose and panicking when the child realizes that he can't withdraw his hand and he only escapes by, the legend varies, cutting off his finger or his hand. So I'm going to read one of the traditional sort of Kelpie myths here. Quote, The moors were dark. A haze rising from the nearby river gave the impression that smoke was rising from some hellish gape in the earth. A man walking the lonely road wished he had some faster way to travel. As if the folk of the land were listening, a pale saddled horse appeared near the water. The man approached it, reaching tentatively. The horse's nicker did not indicate fear, but rather sounded like an invitation. Using the saddle horn to pull himself up, the man could not believe his luck. Suddenly, the horse burst into a run, heading straight for the river. The terrified man tried to dislodge himself from the horse, but some supernatural force kept him in place. The water didn't seem to slow the horse. In fact, its touch seemed to give it speed. The man realized this was no horse at all but a Kelpie. Just at the moment, his head went below the surface, never to return. End quote. So, as always, these myths can be traced to perhaps an origin in warning people away from bodies of water, which were unknown and dangerous. What's interesting is that the legend also states that the Kelpie could potentially breed with a sort of -of run-of-the-mill horse and produce a very strong animal that was incapable of drowning. There are some versions of the legend that say that the Kelpie has a tail that can smack on the water with such force that it emits a clap of thunder and a flood results that can drag humans into the water where they will then be dragged to their death and consumed. Not a very kind horse. When I was a kid, I loved horses. I still do, but I read every book about horses I could get my hands on. It was The Black Stallion, it was Black Beauty, it was Pony Pals, it was Misty of Cinco Teague. I loved horses, and I did ride, you know, not anywhere near good or professionally, but I did ride as a kid. But definitely a horse you wouldn't want to meet, these these Kelpies. So let's travel now across the Atlantic to New York City. So in the 1880s, in New York State, there was a female racehorse named Maud S. Trotter. She was known as the Queen of the Turf because she held the record for the fastest mile. During her life, she made the Harness Racing Hall of Fame. She was very much coveted by top buyers in the state of New York. And when she died of a heart attack in 1900, she was famous 
and had many fans who were very saddened by her passing. She actually did have an obituary that appeared in the New York Times on the 12th page. So a hundred years after her death, rumors started at, of all places, Grand Central Station in New York. Rumors that Maud, who had been, I guess, transported by train at points in her career, was making an appearance in the middle of New York's crazy busy train station. So she was spotted walking in front of a bar inside Grand Central Station called the Oyster Bar. So that place actually became a hot spot on one of New York City's many walking ghost tours. She's never been photographed, but many tourists at Grand Central Station claim to have seen a phantom horse walking through the station, and still others have reported hearing her snort or sort of whinny or neigh. Nobody can confirm whether Maud S. Trotter really haunts Central Station, but if you're going to make up a ghost, it's a fairly obscure animal to base it on. So, I don't know, I'm in favor of Maud still hanging around in this case. It's just too strange from start to finish for someone not to believe that they really saw her or, or heard her. Now we're actually going to travel back to Scotland. I'm not super versed in Scottish history or culture, but I guess that the horse maybe plays an important part because two of my stories here taking place in Scotland. This story coming out of the Orkney Islands. So there are a group of islands belonging to Scotland. And there's a place on one of these islands called Clumley. It's a very small town. Bad weather, uh, apparently, but one reason why people stay away from Clumley is the legend of the white horse of Clumley. So on certain nights, it's said that you can see a ghostly white horse and its phantom rider come to reenact the events of their death so many years ago. At this time, and I'm not sure of the time frame, it's implied that it's years and years ago, two men were fighting for the affections of a lady. She actually rejected both of them, so they fought until one of the men was killed by the other. The man who had killed the other hid his body in a stable until darkness fell. Then he saddled a white horse, he laid the body out on the saddle, and hopped on behind it, and they rode off into the night. There was a high wall separating the town of Clumley from the rest of the island, and he did persuade the horse to jump over that wall rather smoothly, not even disrupting or jostling the body out of place. So they continued on their way. He came eventually to a cliff, threw the dead body off it into the sea, and then he sat on the horse catching his breath. But suddenly, the translucent image of the man he had killed formed below in the sea foam and before his eyes began to approach the shore. So this man was absolutely terrified. He kicked the white horse until it reached a fevered gallop. He urged it further and faster from the ghost of his victim. Sorry, I just got like a major chill. Again, I'm alone in this Victorian house like telling these stories. I'm, I'm, a, I'm crazy. <laughs> I must be crazy. Whew! All right, so further and faster from the ghost of his victim who pursued him. Then he saw that same wall coming into view, and he was confident his horse could make the leap because they'd already done it once. But the white horse was exhausted now, 
and running too fast to plan his approach. So the horse tried to jump over the wall, but it was too high and he did not make it. He crashed through the wall, crumbling it beneath him, dying when he hit the ground, and his rider was thrown and died too. What's interesting is that in addition to seeing the phantom horse and rider, the residents of Clumley have never been able to repair the wall. Every time someone attempts to rebuild that section that the white horse fell through, the stones fall out of place, leaving the wall crumbled and in ruin. To this day, the wall has a gap. As always with my topics, there are so many more that I found that I'm not able to include in this episode. Horses play such an important role in like human history and our relationship with horses is so special. So these are just some of the stories I was able to find and I hope to revisit this topic at a future date. But until then, I think I'm going to end things here. We're two minutes to midnight. I've got kind of a, a chill <laughs> running up my neck in this big house all alone telling these ghost stories. Before I leave, I will ask as always, if you have it in your heart to engage with me on social media, to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which is basically iTunes, leave a review of the podcast. It's super, super helpful. If you want to reach out to me in any way, I'm at afraid of the bark podcast at gmail.com. On Facebook, I'm A Y A O T B podcast. On Twitter, afraid of the bark. And on Instagram, Afraid of the Bark podcast. So please reach out to me through any of those means. Follow me, retweet, engage, tell me what you think about certain topics or posts or stories. Do you believe them? Did they give you a little chill? Did you think they were silly or outlandish? Like, let me know what you think. And a lot of people were interested in the idea of this upcoming episode about horses so I didn't realize that that was an animal that so many people were interested in. So if you want to hear stories about a particular group of animal or a region or I don't know, like if there's a certain myth that you know of that's based around animal characters or legends and, and you want to hear more about it, let me know. Totally open to those suggestions. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep running down my list of, of stories that I find every day about our animal. Okay, that's probably just a car driving really, really fast down King Street, making kind of like a low moan sound. I think uh, it's now exactly midnight. I'm like, I'm spooked. I'm such a scaredy cat. Those who know me know this. Uh, anyway, um, I'm going to go watch something stupid like Bachelor in Paradise. But anyway, if there's an animal you want me to cover, let me know. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep going down my list of all the wonderful stories I found about supernatural animals. I was worried when I started this podcast that I'd run out of topics. But the more I look into it, the more I realize that these stories are out there. They're just maybe not shared as often as stories of human ghost encounters. But yeah, if there's something you want covered, if there's an animal you want to hear about to, to find out if they have, you know, a supernatural counterpart or if they have ever come back to haunt after their death, just reach out and let me know. Apart from that, I'm going to sign off. It's now officially Friday morning. I've got to edit this guy and get it 
out to you just as soon as I can. Thank you for your patience regarding this episode seven, and I'll be back at you next week with episode eight on time. Thanks very much for joining me, and as always, I will wish you, and I will wish me as well, sweet dreams tonight. Thanks for listening. Ha, ha, ha.